0: You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution.
1: The intelligent podcast for over 40s wanting to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley
0: and Isaac Xavier. Come on in.
1: We're back with the very popular Matt Lake. We received so many questions after his last podcast. We're going to smash your brain with some of these questions. But first, we want to know about your latest product, Plant. Is that how I pronounce it, even though it doesn't have an A? I
2: don't know. See, it doesn't have an A, but I mean, I'm a yobbo from North Queensland, so I've Hmm. always called it Plant. (laughs) Um, James um, is a bit more sophisticated. He calls it Plant. But at the end of the day, we probably couldn't decide on the vowel, so we got rid of them.
1: Matt, can you reach over and close that door? Sorry. Oh, yeah, for sure. My bad. Did I do that last time as well? I didn't Good to pick up, Mr. Mm -hmm. Virgo.
2: So it's plunt. To answer your question, it's It's plunt. plunt. Yeah. Plunt.
1: Plunt protein.
2: Plunt or plant or plant. It doesn't really matter, but it's basically a range of plant-based products. And because there's a lot of people that are going plant-based as either vegans or something like that, but also a lot of omnivores are starting to realize the importance of whole foods and not just living on bread and potato and that sort of stuff. So more people are getting a bit more aware of the importance of eating whole foods and having a plant-based diet. And with that comes a few extra challenges that they weren't actually expecting. And I'm not just talking about the nutritional deficiencies because they're avoiding meat, because when I'm talking about healthy omnivores as well, they're eating meat. You know. So what we're looking at is finding solutions for the phytates that work as anti-nutrients, like for example, plants are full of anti-nutrients. I don't know if you knew mm-hmm. that. Got-
1: no, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like you mm-hmm. knew
2: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. Like for example, because when people talk about
0: activating yeah. almonds, for example, yeah. they're getting rid of the anti-nutrients. Is that yeah. correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the theories. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. for sure. So and it enhances the bioavailability. So for example, there's things like phytic acid, phytates that are part of the polyphenols. So we talk about all mm-hmm. these healthy polyphenols, good for our gut. Yep. But they can also bind to things like iron, magnesium, and zinc and inhibit their absorption. Mm. Um, so then oxalates do the same sort of thing. So oxalates are really high in things like you know sweet potatoes, spinach, almonds, cherries. So a lot of people go healthy going into a comp prep season or something, and they'll go from white potato to sweet potato. And that sort of stuff, all of a sudden they're getting all these extra colors in that'll have give them all the extra nutrients, polyphenols, but also can come with a lot of anti-nutrients like beans make you fart because they block the amylase enzyme that breaks down carbs and then the carbs are more likely to ferment oh, that's how beans make that's you fart nice. what about
1: chickpeas cuz they yeah, they're the worst. really upset me yeah, yeah yeah
2: chickpeas are the worst and white kidney beans they, they often put a lot of white kidney beans into fat loss supplements to say that they're going to block the absorption of your carbohydrate but i don't see the point in that if they're going to allow the carbohydrate to stay in your bowel where it ferments and creates the bloating because mm. you're sitting there and i don't absorb the carbs you know, thinking that that's going to reduce my obesity or something, which it doesn't really. Mm-hmm. It depends on calories in and out and that sort of thing. But when they basically don't absorb the carbs and the carbs ferment, they get the bloating and they look pregnant anyway. So you may as well and they get absorb very the carbs. Gassy. And use it. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just
1: unpleasant for everybody. Oh. Yeah. So there's heaps.
2: There's heaps. Um, so oxalates, phytates, so many different ones. Even some of the unprocessed plants can even inhibit the absorption yeah. of protein. So in particular, pea was one of the worst ones for that. Pea Mm -hmm. can inhibit protein absorption. So increasing your peas and legumes to increase your protein in your diet can actually What about pea protein? Yeah, well, pea protein is highly processed and we got rid of a lot of the phytates. The other way of doing it, and this is the exciting bit, when we use highly processed protein to supplement the protein, if we support the microbiome's ability to make enzymes such as phytase, phytase is the enzyme that breaks down phytic acid. And phytase is made by our microbiome. And so if we've got a healthy gut, a good diverse gut, we're capable of making lots of enzymes that actually break down the anti-nutrients and help to liberate the nutrients in our fuel and to absorb them. So with the plant range, the main thing that we're doing there is we're going through each of our products and making sure we understand the absorption and the assimilation of the nutrients and what Mm. anti-nutrients may be either in that product or not necessarily in the product but may already be in your gut if you're on a high plant-based diet. So when we're talking to people that are eating a lot of these foods, the food that we add into the supplement may not necessarily be the problem, but there may be a lot of other foods with anti-nutrients already loitering around their guts, interfering with the way our products work. So we're going to make solutions for all of those. Anti-nutrients, knowing that mother nature
0: is genius wise beyond our true understanding. What's the purpose of anti-nutrients?
2: Man, that's a really cool question because I uh, uh, I think it's cool cuz I asked the same question. <laughs> no. No, um, it's really Great minds tr- think alike, my yeah. friend. Well, a lot of so a lot of these things are water soluble, okay? Mm-hmm. So plants so in the ground and out in the rain. Mm-hmm. And so if the nutrients aren't bound into the plant, attached to something, then they wash away. Oh. And so basically a lot of the phytates and that sort of stuff that are found in the structure of these plants actually bound to the nutrients to hold the nutrients into the plant. So they're not just freely available to water-soluble to be diluted and wash away and be lost. So they're actually bound into the plants. It's
0: quite crazy, actually. So it's 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 protection of the plant species.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because the plants are doing it for them. We're just lucky enough to get some of it. And what's the crazy thing about our microbiome? It has the ability to break down the plants to liberate the nutrients. If we've got a good healthy gut. Yeah. So
1: how do you you know that you've you've got protein in this product mm-hmm. and you've got gut health aspect to it? Yep. So is there an order then that it works once it gets into the digestive system?
2: Uh, yes and no. I mean we've got a it's a one way track. And so whenever we eat anything, it's gonna go from our stomach and then our mouth, which is alkaline. And the first processing is going to start in our mouth, which is the alkaline and certain enzymes, such as am- amylase, liberating some of the carbohydrates. Then we, it's going to flow down to our stomach, which is going to be that pit of acid. So we've got to realize that there's different compartments. And then directly outside the stomach, it's alkaline again. And that's when we break down different things. So what we've got to realize is it's just going to run down through that same tube. And then we've got to provide the support to make sure it can utilize it whenever it needs to. So for example, the protein, long protein chains are going to be mainly broken down in the stomach, but then they'll be absorbed later on. So we just got to make sure we support that part of the digestive process. The crazy thing is, is a lot of the nutrients are absorbed in the larger intestine and that's where we get the fiber with the polyphenols and that's where we find the nutrients. You know, they always, mum always says that, you know, the nutrients are in the peels. You yeah. Know, so yep. the outside. so yep. all the fiber and that's where we find a lot of the nutrients. It's also where we find a lot of the polyphenols and these anti-nutrients that are binding the nutrients into the food, into the plant material. And then as that gets down past, we'll absorb a fair bit of the proteins and that sort of stuff. Then it gets down into the large intestine where we get our microbiome that'll start fermenting these fibres. And as it's fermenting the fibres, it just so happens to make the enzymes it needs to liberate the nutrients out of that fibre. How cool is that? That's yeah. extremely
1: cool. So there is so many proteins on the market yeah. but. Whether they're effective or not is a whole nother discussion. But what we can say is plant Blunt, plant, yeah, plant. <laughs> is an effective protein product.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the best one that we could ever make because what we basically did is we went went through a series of experiments of trying to work out how to digest it on a benchtop. And then once we could work out how to digest it on a benchtop using different combinations of microbes and Enzymes and acids and that sort of stuff. We then collected that matrix of compounds and put it back into the product. So when you're eating it, you're actually getting the nutrients, the, the postbiotic compounds made by our bugs that are necessary for the absorption of it, and also to support a healthy, diverse microbiome. So that way, you actually can tolerate all the other foods as well. So it's not just for this. It's it's like a bigger picture. We if we take one of the plant products every day. Then we're actually reinforcing a good, healthy, diverse microbiome, you know, because of the variety of different postbiotic matrices we're using across the different products. So we'll have a specific blender we'll put into an iron product, for example, that will aid mm. the absorption of iron. You know, we'll have a specific one. Like it's crazy to think that a lot of plant based uh, or vegans that may be deficient in magnesium. When you consider magnesium is part of chlorophyll, you mm. know, it's a, the plants are green, it's got magnesium in it. How could you? It's not a deficiency in the diet. It's a poor absorption. And that's, again, looking at those anti-nutrients that they get from having Mm -hmm. um, a bad microbiome or a lack of diverse microbiome. Yeah.
1: Well, what
0: would you say when you talk about a diverse microbiome? What's the way people can get a really diverse microbiome?
2: A variety in your diet. Because mm what we're talking about is diversity is variety. Um, And the reason why diverse microbiome is so good for us is because the more diverse micro every all these different strains they create different enzymes and they create different nutrients Ooh. you know like our bugs can make branched chain amino acids oh if you if you're a vegan diet is deficient in branched chain amino acids which they often say it is because you're not having meat and dairy but that's mm-hmm. based on the fact that we're comparing everything to what they said was perfect so we don't i don't believe that was perfect anyway so mm. but if you are deficient in your branched chain amino acids and you can build up the right amount of firm acute bugs, they can actually build the branch chain amino acids for you. Um, our microbiome can make B12s and all that sort of stuff. Our microbiome can make the enzymes that we need to break down our food. Now, if you eat, your microbiome is basically built by what you eat. So if you eat the same food all the time, then you're going to build up a microbiome that likes those foods. And the bugs that don't come in with those foods or those bugs that aren't getting fed by that particular diet, then they're not there or they're not growing. Mm. So you've only got a small, uh, not enough of the different types of bugs, so you're only going to make a certain amount of postbiotic compounds. So if you consider that all the benefits that will come from probiotics, all the benefits that come from a healthy gut and a good diet, come from the fact that your microbiome will take the food you're eating and turn it into things. The Mm. things that it makes that you absorb, that's what gives you the health benefits. It's not the bugs. It's not the diet, it's the things that the bugs make out of your diet. And that's what the postbiotic compounds are. That's what confers the health benefit. So the more different types of bugs you got, the more different types of postbiotic compounds you are capable of making, the more different tools you have in your arsenal to compensate for deficiencies or attacks or needing to recruit DNA from a microbe to give you a new technique or a trick, This is the importance of having a diverse microbiome. The only way to get a diverse microbiome is to eat a diverse diet. And the more different types of foods you eat, the more different types of bugs you're going to get, providing they have space to grow. Mm. What that means is if you were brought up sponsored by Uncle Toby's or sanitarium like most people in Australia might have been. You know, the Wheat Bix, how many Wheat Bix mm-hmm. did you have for brekkie mm-hmm. with your milk? Then we have our muesli bars, our sandwiches for lunch. Every day we have an apple and a banana or an mandarin or whatever. We eat the same fruits and then every night we might have carrots, potato, peas, or broccoli. It's the same three or four vegetables every night all year round. And then we might have, so what that's in Australia, that's what we call a balanced diet. You know, the two and the fives Mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff. Two bits of food, five serves of vegetables and a piece of meat the size of your hand or some rubbish. Uh, (laughs) You do the same healthy, balanced diet every day. It's not a varied diet, so you're going to get a very lack of diversity within your microbiome, and therefore you're not capable, but it will overgrow because you're overfeeding them. Once it's full, can you imagine having a yard full of weeds Mm. and you want grass there, so I'm going to go over to all my weeds and I'm going to throw grass seeds at them. the weeds don't get up and leave because you're throwing grass seeds at them. You know, (laughs) The thing is, you've got to kill the body things. So the thing is, is if there's no space there for the good stuff to grow, then you can feed it all you like, but you're just going to feed the weeds. So if you've been eating that same standard meat and veg diet that Aussies do your whole life living on bread, you're going to build up a certain type of microbiome. just so happens that that particular type of microbiome contributes to obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and cancer, which is what we have a lot of in our Western society we have the ability to eat the same foods every day, when we eat with seasons, we get seasonal variation, we get Mm -hmm. the freshness in the polyphenols, and when we eat in nature, nature is full of the old slap and tickle. You want to get to a little bit of my sugar? You've got to get through the poison first. So what happens is it keeps everything under a certain dose. When you eat actual food in nature, the sugar might be found on the inside, but you're eating the peels, you're eating the seeds, you're eating the skin, they all have the poisons that stop the overgrowth of the bugs. They're only there when you eat fresh whole foods with the skins and the peels and all that sort of stuff. Mother nature. Yeah, yeah. So eating fresh and local and changing and cycling your diet within mm-hmm. the seasons will give you a diverse microbiome. Now, our microbiome is designed to go dormant and wait for fruit season to come back, for example. So our microbiome can wait nine months for the food to come back before it starts to die off. It just lays dormant.
1: It's like little bears inside our belly.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine this. Imagine what a lot of people, it's, no, it's so true because they feed up during fruit season, like when the bears will feed up, they'll load up when the salmon and all that sort of stuff's is and go crazy and fatten up enough to lay dormant. So that's what's kind of supposed to happen with our microbiome. We're supposed to feed them up like when the trees are covered in mulberries or something like we just binge on these particular foods and then those particular bugs that feed on that food will grow. And then when that food stops, that tree in your yard or in your local area stops fruiting and it's no longer available, you move to a different tree, you get a different food. Mm. So we're supposed to be cycling through. And like when you grow your own food, you'll see that it'll take nine months or something for this fruit to develop to go through all the processes. And then all of a sudden you've got a couple of weeks where you've got this stuff everywhere and you're binging on the thing so you're not wasting, but then it's gone. So, you're only ever binging on anything for a short period of time. And then you've got to wait almost a whole season for the bloody thing to come back. So, would you advise people, I'm thinking of it now, I need to have a
0: list of what's in season? Because yeah. as I'll you know, a you at can.
2: Home. Well, if you Are think, you like yeah, in Australia, yeah. like you think of apples, So, see, I'm, I love apples. My mm. pink lady apples, I love them. That's my thing. And because uh, we used to have them horrible apples all the time when you're oh. kids. You know, the red ones or the flowery yeah. bloody things. So mm-hmm. then you go, oh, just my have the Granny Smith because at least mm. they're going to be sour and not. Lowry, you know, but now we've got all these varieties of all these different apples. But I think in Australia, apple season is January, February. So all the apples are picked in Australia, January, February. So the apples that I'm eating now in September coming into Mm -hmm. October, they're six months old. Mm. The polyphenols in an apple peel are reduced by 80% within about two weeks. Yikes. So by the time we get them to now, and we don't even know if the apples I'm eating now are from this season. They could be sitting in storage from last season and just pumped out now, gas ripened. So this is the point is we need to know, but we don't even know what's imported. We we have the same food available all year round. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a balanced diet. But like I said, it's not a varied diet and that's where we need to have that. And this is also the importance of having a lot of antimicrobial polyphenols in our diet. One of the arguments with a carnivore diet is saying that they've discovered that things like garlic is poison. It, it destroys your microbiome as an antimicrobial. And you're what? sitting there going, well, no, it's funny, interesting. What a long, amazing history garlic has had as a health food to now be villain of destroying our gut when we have all of this data showing how it fixes our gut. And the way it does that is by stopping the overgrowth in our gut. Oh. No
1: wonder people are confused. Because of course we are. someone yeah. will grab onto this thing, yeah. make it a marketing campaign. Have you heard of
2: SIBO? Yes, yes, I have sort yeah. yeah. So do you know what it stands for?
1: Small intestine something overgrowth. Uh, Bacterial. 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 Overgrowth. Overgrowth. It's an overgrowth. Yeah. Mm.
2: Dysbiosis is an overgrowth. Mm. Candidiasis is an overgrowth. And most mm. of our mm. gut problems are an overgrowth of bugs, an overgrowth of specific bugs because we've been feeding those same bugs all the time. A lot of the elimination diets, a lot of these people go, oh, I've been on a plant-based diet and I'm getting worse and worse and I went to a carnivore diet, everything felt great. (laughs) And so that's an elimination diet. You've actually eliminated a lot of the food. Your immune system's had a chance to back off. Your gut microbiome's had a chance to calm down. Less inflammation, less lipopolysaccharides and things like that coming from your gut microbiome, you actually feel better because you changed your diet. Now, guess what? If you stuck on that carnivore diet for a long period of time, you're going to start to feel pretty lousy again. Yeah. And then guess what? Hopefully, fruit season comes back. And then we can cycle back. So the importance of cycling. And then we're also looking at the importance of intermittent fasting and that sort of stuff. Every once in a while, we need a failed hunting trip to stop the feeding of these bugs. Give them a chance to like back off and slow down a little bit and stop overgrowing and thriving. Give them a chance to freak out a little bit and have to make some of their own fuel. Because when they make some of their own fuel, they alter our metabolism and they change the microbiome especially if you're exercising during that. Oh, let's help him. Let's help him get more of that. Mm. So there's so much we can do when you go back to living in nature when we understand the, the exposure within a holistic system. So we live as part of a holistic system that includes our bio barrier that protects us or is the interface between us and the outside environment that is regulated by our microbiome on our skin and on insides. Mm. That's our barrier between the outside. Everything we eat. Every medicine, every supplement, they decide what chemical is going to be made out of it. is a postbiotic. B12's a postbiotic. Yeah. How do you define a postbiotic? It's the things that are made by the probiotics. So a prebiotic will feed a bug. Mm-hmm. The what's, bug what's a prebiotic? A prebiotic like a sugar or a fiber. Mm-hmm. A good example might be things like inulin or glucomannan um, or just fiber and yep. food, just yep. food. Sugar is mm-hmm. a prebiotic. Anything the bugs feed on. Is a prebiotic. Uh-huh. The bugs themselves are called a probiotic when they're live. Oh. When they die, but they're still active, they're called paraprobiotics, which has got the coolest nickname, zombie biotics and ghost biotics, because they're dead but active. Yeah, you cool. spoke about it in the last part. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the the compounds that they make are called postbiotics. So for example, they feed on the sugar and then they convert it to vitamin B12. Vitamin B12 is a postbiotic. Mm. They'll feed on sugar and they'll make glutathione out of it. And glutathione is a postbiotic. Acetic acid. So some good examples of foods that are health foods on the envir- on the shelves that you can get that you can start taking postbiotics now is traditionally made kimchi, pickled vegetables, sauerkraut. They're all good examples of postbiotics. Yogurts. That sort of stuff. Vegemite, one of my favourite postbiotics. Oh. Yeah.
1: I almost had that for dinner. I was like. I, I couldn't be bothered making food. Yeah. So I just had two pieces of toast. I'm like, oh, but you might or jam? But you yeah. might or jam. One was um, good quality. You know, the, what's that honey called with the
2: I Manuka honeys and that yeah. sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, one of the really high quality ones. And then the other one was jam.
2: Yum, yum. So this is the that's thing. And, and you can make anything that's fermented can be a postbiotic and can, you have the postbiotic compounds with it. Now, this is the coolest thing. When they started doing the fecal transfers and all that sort of stuff, they were sticking them up the date originally mm-hmm. where they didn't have to pass the sterilization sort of thing. So once they started talking about doing um, fecal transfers orally, they had to sterilize the poop and kill all the E. coli because you can't eat poo. You Yeah, you, know, you get sick. But when they sterilized it, they worked out that a sterilized crapshell from the top gave the same effects as an enema up the bum. They realized that the live bugs don't do anything. So now they've been gone through this sequence because they realized over the years all the probiotic supplements we've been using, they, they had the assumption that they work by living inside you and giving you these health benefits. But what they've worked out is they don't. They actually feed on the way out and they make postbiotic compounds and it's the postbiotic compounds that confer the health benefits. That's from them, the dead bugs. No, that's dying. from the making of anything that these guys do. It's no point. The bugs themselves don't do anything. Your immune system doesn't care if it's lactobacillus acidophilus or buddy corona or whatever. you mm. not probably the worst example to say on yeah. the podcast because yeah. now we've shadow banned. Now, um, <laughs>
1: lucky I'm a good editor. But you know
2: what I mean. So it's like <laughs> the immune system does not care if the bug is alive or dead, if it's friendly or not. It will attack it. Okay. So a lot of the ways probiotics work is by the immune system killing off this in these dose of bugs that just came in from whatever you just ate. And that primes the immune system. As you kill the bugs, they liberate all sorts of wicked stuff. Like their cell membrane it's made of, they're full of nutrients, they're full of all the compounds. They become compost then for your other bugs. They work like compost for your your They become like a prebiotic by becoming food for the other bugs that live inside you. And then the other thing is some of them, as they're coming through, they have a transient effect where they're feeding. They wake up and then they feed on a bit and they make some postbiotic compounds. And that's what they do on the way through. Very little evidence of any of these buggers living inside you, colonizing and giving you these health benefits. They actually go through, put in a dose, you kill them. That boosts your immune system. That gives you some nutrients that support your guts. And they also make postbiotic compounds. But within all probiotic supplements, which are the live bugs, you know, they say like there's 25 billion CFU colony Mm -hmm. forming it. So 25 billion. So to get 25 billion at expiry, they put $100, billion, 100 billion in at manufacture. So when it's a fresh product, you're still looking at majority of this thing is dead. Most of it's dead bugs. As it gets closer to expiry, more and more of this capsule you're taking is dead bugs. More and more of it is a post and less and less of it is live. The whole time they're saying that the benefits come from these live bugs living inside you, which is why we've got to keep it in the fridge. And, and they didn't want to talk about why the sauerkraut's been on the bench the whole time, yeah. you know, and because the postbiotics are so much better because postbiotics, you don't have the risk of antibiotic resistance. You don't have the risk of postbiotics infecting you, which is a big risk in elderly and children because the postbiotics themselves can infect you. So if you've got like teething children or you've got elderly with immune compromise, the, the actual live bugs in the probiotic can get into your bloodstream and make you sick. Whoa. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the – and, and they can also contribute to antibiotic resistance, which is a massive problem because people are throwing these probiotics into everything now and they might they believe it may have the same effect contributing to antibiotic resistance as putting antibiotics in everything.
1: Oh. Oh, there's a rabbit hole.
2: Yeah, Boy. you see what I mean. Oh. So, I mean, this whole postbiotic gut stuff, it's crazy. Mm.
1: Well, we have a whole bunch of actually very, very cool questions. Mm. Yes. Came,
2: Let's came do it. With, yeah. yeah.
1: So
0: – but first, i I'm going to run by a jingle for your product. Oh, yeah. Just so would be random. Yeah, know? do that. So, because instead of like plant is like P-L-N-T, this is the protein for me.
2: What do you think? I like that. <laughs> I probably won't sing that, but <laughs> we'll get you and James to do that one. <laughs> I do like it. Anything that's catchy like that. It's better than mine, Plunt. We couldn't afford to buy a (laughs) vow.
1: Oh, Oh, that used to be one of my favourite shows. Yeah.
0: If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health. Jump into our free Facebook group where we share the best information, including behind the scenes of our podcast and coaching.
1: Just search for the group Defy Your Numbers or email us at hi at agerebels.com and we will add you.
0: Uh, (laughs) So many people had questions about from the last podcast, and the one that came up a lot was. Testing like you said, okay, this microbiome thing thing. Like how do you do it? Who assesses the results and then prescribes either the change in diet and or supplements if needed?
2: Oh, that's a good question. So in Australia, we're actually the best in the world. So in Australia, we're actually leading the way. Prince Alexander Hospital's doing it. They do all the microba insights. And microba insights testing anyone can do. You don't need a practitioner referral or anything. So you can go straight to, you just Google in Microba Insights, you go to Microba, and you can get your own test. And they do like full CSI. So that's a DNA sequencing. And it tell you, it's like amazing level of information because they can tell you all the different bugs that live inside you. And they do it from a poo smear. So, okay. it's not like, so in the on days, we used to do these things, complete digestive stool analysis. Yep. It's actually where you've got to catch your poop in a, Little container. Mm-hmm. I wiped my hand then as I was telling the story. <laughs> so anyway, you catch your poop, but then you've got to kind of like get your samples out of your poop. Yep. And so Done that. weird people like me, i like looking around trying to make sure I get a little bit of everything. A lot of other people is kind of like, I don't even want to see. I'm just going to quickly grab anything and put mm-hmm. it in. I don't mm-hmm. want to know. So the thing is, is if depending on how good you are taking a sample is what's going to come out of those results. Mm. If you don't get, and candida and those sort of things, like you've got to look for like these little cobwebby kind of yeah. structures that's in the poop because they come out as clumps. And if you miss that, then you'll get a diagnosis, say so there's no candida there. Or if you don't get the spores or mm-hmm, the, the, mm-hmm. Um, the parasite eggs, if you just miss it, you know, then you'll get a shitty reading. Uh, Literally. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was clever. And then um, clever you to pick it up. I didn't even know I said it. Um, and so what you'll find is the microbial one does the DNA. So they'll tell you everything just off some saliva so you don't have to be too clever. And so that gets rid of a lot of that variability, which is excellent. And they also don't have to grow anything. I don't have to wait for it to colonize and grow to identify it because that's where all the problems come in with the testing taking a stool, delivering actual poop to a lab where it's still viable enough to grow things out of. Okay, of great, so, so the,
0: you've got that microbe. Microbe
2: is good, but it's only in Australia. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got a fair few people in New Zealand getting cranky at the moment because okay. they they're stuck with the old normal poop test. Oh. Mm.
0: So the, the difference between that, because some people have said, okay, but doesn't, you've got, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you've got the microbiome, which is our genome. Yes. And then you've got the microbiota, yep. which is what's happened in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Are you, yes, no?
2: Yeah. So basically what we're looking at, and this is a good point, because just finding out what's living in your gut is one thing. Yeah. We then want to find out how it's affecting your body. And so we want to look at the genetic expression of those things, Ooh. because it's that genome of the microbiome interacting with the human genome and our diet and our environment that will determine how we respond. So what I'll often do is I'll measure the microbiome the best way I can. It'll either be through, microbe is the ideal one, otherwise the, the normal stool analysis ones. But then I'll also do a urine test as an organic acid test. Yep. And what that does is it measures, gives us a nice snapshot of the output from our body. Now, if I can find toxic metabolites in your urine that are made by bugs that live in your gut, then that tells me that it's affecting your body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where if I if I get your results and shows, oh, you're full of these bugs, but it's not affecting your body, and we go and target those bugs, you're not going to feel anything. Yeah. So we want to know how you feel, how you respond. And to do that, we do a combination of other tests of so pathology. Um, organic acid testing and that sort of stuff.
0: So, would a person need to see a uh, naturopath or an integrative medicine specialist, GP? Or
2: yes what? and no. So, for example, with Microba, they're designed to deal with the public and they got a lot of data. And a lot of naturopaths and scientists and that sort of stuff were involved in the creation of the reports that they pump out. They got yep. naturopaths, nurses, dietitians, everyone creating these reports. It's really quite excellent the reports they get, and there's a lot of information that you can work with. Oh, that's good. It's not as specific as if you were to take it to a naturopath then that would analyze that in comparison to with your symptoms yeah, and would then say, okay, so this bug here is really relevant because you're manifesting these symptoms. Yeah, You've got the diagnosis of these bugs, but maybe you're not feeding them or maybe they're not active or maybe they're in control or because uh, they're not really causing any of the problems in your body, so we can mm-hmm. just ignore them for now. You know what I mean? So yep. that's where it really helps to work with a practitioner. I myself am a naturopath, um, but I actually go see someone else. So I see Elizma Lambert's my girl. She's amazing. And she works a lot with um, Dr. Ben Lynch who wrote all the Dirty Gene books and all that sort of stuff. And she does a lot of the work globally on the link between the gut-brain axis and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. She's a phenomenal. And she practices and she's available for most people to utilise for that sort of service as well now. Cool.
1: Amazing. This is one of my favourite questions actually. Mm -hmm. Does your intimate partner influence your microbiome, for example, if they're fat, can they give you fat microbes? Oh,
2: yeah, and that's true. No, <laughs> yeah. it's actually really yeah. true. So we shed. So you know when they talk about baromones and stuff like We actually have a microbiome aura that is – A lot of sharticles and stuff in it as well. So, we've got all sorts of microbes as well as contaminants that are released from our body, in particular our butt and all that sort of stuff and (laughs) other parts. And that contributes to an aura of microbes that we shed in the form of live and dead bugs. And we actually can share them. So, they did a lot of studies with rats where they actually went and got normal rats. And they got one rat and they fill it up with a particular microbiome that's associated with obesity and they can make that rat fat. Then they can go and put a microbiome with, that's associated with anorexia or anorexic actions and put that into a rat and it'll get skinny. And they can prove that the microbiome will do that. And then what happens, because rats eat each other's poop and because rats, they can't keep them as isolated and that's sort the of stuff that they do eat other poops, they actually go and contaminate. So the fat rats start to get skinny and the skinny rats get fatter. I've also got a lot of studies around society where people will um, start hanging around other people and then actually start acquiring their microbiome, mm. Mm. or they'll change, you know, like um, someone that lived a lifestyle in Japan or moved to America, accumulate that microbiome, and then accumulate a lot of those same health problems, even though if they keep most of their diet the same. And so there's a lot of stuff like that, and yes, it does spread, but also- our pheromones our attraction from one person to another uh-huh. is determined by our immune system oh the cytokines that re- chemical messengers released by our immune system is actually what governs our pheromones based on the fact that do we have compatible immune system or do you have something in it that can add to my immune system so our offspring will be healthier and say so our actual immune system is interacting with someone else's microbial aura and determining if we think they're going to be a good partner or not.
0: Wow.
1: That's insane. That puts a whole different spin on the conversation around you become
2: the, like five, the people five people that yeah. you hang around. It's yeah. actually yeah. Yeah. more
1: than just a mindset. Yeah, thing. yeah they respect you. They
2: yeah. You. Oh, man. I did this thing once as a joke. I think it's still up on YouTube somewhere. On the AT- I used to do the ATP project. And as a joke on an April Fool's Day thing, I did, I did a thing where fat is contagious. And I went and collected a whole heap of data showing, for example, firmicutes contribute to obesity, okay, where the bacteriodoides don't. Okay, so there's a very interesting study there. What are firmicutes? Firmicutes are a particular type of bacteria that are typically found in things like breast milks and yogurts and dairies. Lactobacillus acidophilus is a good example of a firmicute, along with clostridium, typically found in things that babies have to stimulate a big growth phase. Mm. And if we keep eating, if we stay on the boob our whole life, we end up obese. And that's what they're finding. If we build up firmicutes, the same things mm-hmm. that help babies grow end up creating obesity in adults. Okay. So that's where, again, we need to variety in our diet. We don't need to go off the mum's boob, come off the boob and go into another animal's boob mm. to continue our growth phases, you know, because even the cows stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. um, so with the firmicutes and that, they, they found that these things contribute to obesity. But what was interesting is they went through a gym. You like this, Isaac, because mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time in gyms. They went through and they found all the functional fitness areas and all the free weights had more bacteria on them. And they found the treadmills were covered in firmicutes. Oh, <gasps> wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's and so, freaky. Oh, and then they found also like things like with the space station, which was all sterilized. And as people accumulated different bugs, they started sharing them through. It's like there's so much data. But I did this bullshit podcast about it. And then it went crazy. Some Chinese company actually copied our brand and launched antibacterial gym wipes after that podcast. And they did all right, apparently talking about um, fat being a contagious. So is there
0: more dominant microbes? Like for example, study I read where they've got 50 people, 52 people in the study, all of them needed to lose weight. They were up over 90 kilos, five, five. And they looked at their Prevotella to Bacteroides ratio Mm -hmm. and the more Prevotella they had, they were all given for 24 months, uh, 24 weeks, pardon me, the same exact same diet. Yeah. And the ones that had more Prevotella and less bacteroides had uh, lost four kilos more. Yeah. Yeah. Exact same food. Yeah. So yeah. is there more, dominant because I know people are going to ask, it's like, well, we know from the last podcast and I've done a bit of a deep dive on Acamansia. Yeah. And so it's... And one of the questions people said, so can you get acamansia and, and eat it? And I looked it up and I there's uh, this pomegranate powder and you yeah. think, okay,
2: how much is, is this real or is it going to work or? Yeah. So, so acamansia, I love Ackermansia. Okay. So what you might've read about acamansia and lots of stuff about Ackermansia, but I'll give you the summary of it. It feeds on carbon in your mucus which comes when you're panting, when you're in ketosis, burning fat, when you're exercising, when you're busy and when you're active is when acamansia gets fed the most. And while in those situations, it helps you to liberate more fuel. It supports the fat burning in order to make more ketones. It supports your athletic performance so that you're more likely to do it. And that's how it gets fed. It loves intermittent fasting. And it loves intermittent fasting with exercise and fasted cardio. They're all the things that but if it does not live in you, if you don't have it in your body, then you can't stimulate its growth with something like pomegranate. Oh. So it it's a bug. Okay. So yeah. it's mainly found in the dirt and in our microbiome. It's interesting and best source of it would be dirt, probably. Uh-huh. So acumensia, if it's in your body, we all got some it's that sometimes it's not measurable. Okay. But anyway, you can't there's no, there is no There is one product on the market at the moment, Um, company called Pendulum, claims to have, uh, I, I mean, when I say claims, I've been trying for 10 years to get Accomanzia to grow, to make a probiotic out of Accomanzia. I've been trying for so long, and I know a lot of people have been doing it for like decades before me, and no one's ever been able to do it. It's Mother Nature is a, stopping us a for some bugger. reason. It's a, and then there's a company that's just popped out that says they've done it, a company called Pendulum that's selling these mm-hmm. probiotics. So we yet to get any data to see if it's actually happening or if it's real. But that's the first time I've ever seen a supplement with Acomansia. But typically what happens, the way to build Acomansia is you kill off the other bad bugs with things like pomegranate or yerba oh, mates, okay. green teas, those sort of things mm-hmm. will actually help to kill off the other bugs. And then if you're eating a good lifestyle, sorry, eating a good lifestyle. So if you're leading a good lifestyle, you're doing a lot of fasted cardio and fasted exercise and eating a lot of antimicrobial polyphenol foods to kill off the competitive bugs Acomansi will grow. Tell you something crazy, man. I was this naturopath dude my whole life. I made a product called Gut Right, which was like a mod by a famous for what it was. Yeah, it was the name. first one that was ever existed. At st- I spent my whole life talking about gut stuff, okay? Uh-huh. And I was doing all those stool analysis, I was telling you. Yep. And every time I did stool analysis, they said my guts were great. I was fat, like 138 kilos, fat naturopath, really big round gut all the time. And Mm -hmm. I never got full. I could eat meat, fatty meat, like you would not believe. I loved it. Oh, And obsessed with barbecues. Because you said that there was too much Prevotella. Mm. So what happened? I went and did my Mycroba test after doing all those other stool now. So Mycroba test told me the numbers of bugs I had in me. And what it found is I had no Accomansia, but I had like 25% of my gut contents was actually Prevotella. Mm. When you research Prevotella like you found before. It's excellent for fat burning. It's really good for supporting muscle. It's one of the best ones for making branch chain amino acids. Mm-hmm. Really good for breaking down protein. Really good for breaking down fats. And you go, yeah, how could I possibly be overweight with that? Its favorite food was fatty meat. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, had me craving the fatty meats. You were controlled by your yeah, bugs. It was. It, and that's exactly what happens because these bugs, we've all heard about the gut-brain axis. Yeah. It's no coincidence that these, these bugs don't just make our brain chemistry so we can sleep well and so that we can be less anxious in exams. or you know, That's mm. bullshit. They, they change our brain chemistry so we do what they want them to do. You know, they want us to go and find this food. They make us go find it. They want us to crave certain food. They make they, us go do that. That's why they control our brain because that's how we control our legs to get to the food that they want. We, we've been you know? hijacked. No, yeah, we have been. We have been, and bad guts will hijack good food. You can go back and go and put everyone on the right diet. If they got the wrong bugs in there, which is what I had, mm-hmm. that Prevotella was making all these branched-chain amino acids, which to me competes with tryptophan absorption into my brain and contributed to depression and anxiety, also contributed to insulin resistance and contributed to my obesity, increased my calorie yield by my food by about 20%. So I mean, how could you do your calories in, calories out, regulate your diet when you're sitting there? This... Once I worked out that these buggers were making me crave those foods, because remember when you're going through yeah. the diet, you cut the calories out and you, your intuition. Am I, is this a good hungry or a bad hungry? Am I, is my metabolism about to shut down because I'm starving myself or is the stress worth it? And all that sort of stuff. All yeah. of a sudden, it's like those bugs are making me crave this food. And there's no way I would let them win. They've ruined my life up until a point. They've come in, they've hijacked my body. They've led me into this point where I'm fat naturopath. And there's no way, so I'd made that gut right. I might. And so, what? Every time I got those cravings for those foods that I knew Prevotella was telling me to eat, instead of eating those foods, I threw down some poison, went and killed the bugs instead.
0: So we hear so much about inflammation, inflammation, and we've got to always bring down inflammation. But it wouldn't be there unless it's beneficial. We know that it's important part of our immune response, necessary for healing, for example, after infection or injury. Mm. So the first question is what is it specifically inflammation and can Uh, you give me examples?
2: There are so many different types of inflammation throughout our body. So we have a vascular type of inflammation that's regulated by the prostaglandin systems and that does the redness and the flushing and the swelling and the vasodilation. We have these other forms of inflammatory mediators that are directly linked with swelling up a mucous membrane or attacking an artery or attacking something else. We also have Part of this inflammation that's induced by our liver, that's part of our acute phase response that's designed to handle poisons and venom. So it's a very hard question to answer because we have innate defense mechanisms that are an immediate response to stress, where we have this immediate generic inflammatory reaction whenever we have a stress trigger. And it can't afford to wait to see if our stress is allergy, infection, injury, trauma, poison, venom... It has to do something. And the typical generic inflammatory response for that is to make the blood go stickier, so less likely to spread, but just in case the leg's been bitten off, that we should also Mm -hmm. make it easier to clot. And so the initial innate inflammation is usually the... The ongoing chronic stuff that causes age. All aspects of aging are inflammatory, cardiovascular disease is inflammatory, osteoporosis is inflammatory, blood pressure, blood pressure is inflammatory. Oh, yeah, that makes so sense. You'll see if we get low grade constant immune activation or constant stress, it doesn't matter if the stress trigger comes from our immune system, our liver, our brain, our muscles, we'll get this generic inflammatory response that can contribute to degradation of our tissues. And that sort of stuff. But it is there just in case of a life-threatening stress to quickly resolve an issue. And then the body takes a little bit of time to assess, is it an allergy or is Mm. it an infection? Is it a poison? Is my leg bitten off? Mm. You know, that sort of stuff. And then it will create a more specific response from that. But when we are talking earlier about the microbiome and we're talking about overgrowth, in a lot of the studies to trigger inflammation, they'll often get this stuff called lipopolysaccharide and they'll go and put it on someone's joints mm-hmm. and it'll give them arthritis or they put it through the arteries mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. does blood pressure or diabetes. Yeah, That's actually a bacterial cell wall, all bacteria, good and bad. If you have an overgrowth or if you've taken too many probiotics, they can trigger inflammation straight through lipopolysaccharide exposure. So this is a big deal with people having an overgrowth or upset guts all the time or just the immune system being all over the shop and then manifesting constant stress responses. They get these constant triggers for inflammation that can happen all night and all day. Now, our body then has to release hormones to switch off that inflammation. The main one's cortisol, but then also all our other hormones are anti-inflammatory as well. So this is an interesting thing. As we age, our hormones decline, our inflammation suddenly gets out of control, all aspects of aging are inflammatory, and we suddenly start to age. So cortisol, so imagine at night you're trying to sleep. Your cortisol is supposed to go really deep and low into a trough so you can go into really deep sleep. If you've got inflammation when you're sleeping, coming from your gut, pain, that sort of stuff, that's enough to keep your cortisol high. So your adrenals never switch off. They get exhausted. So this is where low-grade inflammation is the silent killer that's running behind the scenes. And that's the one that we need to support. Good adrenal health to be able to look after our hormones to protect the host, which is you, from your own defense mechanisms. That's what they do. So we get... That release of inflammation or trigger, and then cortisol is supposed to come out ten seconds later and say, "Right, okay, calm down." Unless you got more triggers to say, "No, this is serious," and then your body will trigger an exaggerated response. So our hormones control that inflammation. Our gut integrity and our gut wall is our first line of defence that reduces most of the signals coming through. So, of the things that work as natural anti-inflammatories, in the there are my next so question. many. You're a psychic. Oh, I- I
1: am. years, actually. Yeah.
2: yeah. So the, the next thing is which ones fix it? They're all different. Okay. So I've, some of my favorite ones, there's a whole group of things called NRF2 activators. N- and R- you can Google that. F2. NRF2. NRF2 activators just wrote it down. I love NRF2 activators. And this is, we can save the world with NRF2 activators and we don't have to be too clever to do it because ooh, NRF2 is our major first line of defense gene. Okay. It triggers detoxification. And detoxification that specifically aids the clearance of things like plastics and uh, pesticides, fertilizer, all the modern stuff. It also triggers antioxidant defense against electromagnetic radiations and all those other things. The brilliant antioxidant defense, it activates our anti-inflammatory actions as well. And it also Slows down phase one in the liver, which is associated with having too much toxic exposure, and increases phase two, which will deactivate the toxins for efficient clearance. One gene activated by multiple things, such as turmeric, ginger, ashwagandha, grape, uh, resveratrols, a lot of these things that we hear of, these generalized things that help longevity or control our immune system with the potent antioxidants, they also happen to be NRF2 activators. And you can Google NRF2 activator, get a big list and make sure every day you're getting NRF2 activators in. That's a brilliant way to give yourself a first line of defense against just the generic innate inflammatory stress response. That's a brilliant one. And then we've got to look at the oils. We need a very good oil ratio because they control the prostaglandin pathways, which is the flushing of the blood vessels. Now, I'm going to tell you the biggest key with oils. It's not actually to do with the oils. It desaturates enzymes. There are enzymes that convert the oils between each other. We have all these different forms. So the omega-3s and the omega-6s is what everyone wants to talk about. But we have omega-3, 5, 6, 7, 9, 11s. We have all these different things, but we also have the ability to convert them between each other, up and downstream, backwards to make whichever oils we need. Those enzymes are determined by zinc, magnesium, vitamin C. So actually zinc deficiency is the most common cause of essential fatty acid defects. It's actually not oil defects. Yeah, Turmeric, again, really weirdly, by controlling some of these pathways, you can actually, they did a study comparing one people that took fish oil capsules, which is the EPA DHA, Mm -hmm. and another group that didn't, but they took turmeric. And the turmeric group had more EPA DHA in their brain than the fish oil group. Because they were just better at uh, stimulating the conversion pathways.
1: I have turmeric daily. That makes me happy. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And the people with zinc deficiency was the most common people with an omega-3, with the EPA DHA deficiency was from zinc deficiency, not from fish oil deficiency. Because you can make EPA DHA out of the other precursor oils if you've got adequate nutrition to do so. Okay,
1: so if you have a zinc deficiency Mm -hmm. and you're having turmeric, Mm. Would you still have a deficiency of the EHA, DHA, whatever it is? No, well, maybe, or- yeah,
2: because the nutrients are so important. Like herbs ask your body to do things, but they need a certain amount of nutritional support to do that. Mm. So, the way I look at nutrients, especially the essential nutrients like zinc, is they have to be there for you to be capable of doing the things that we want the herbs to make you do. So, I always look at the uh, nutrients as building a stable state or a base foundation to which work from. And then the herbs are like the movers and shakers that will force change. But if you have nutrient deficiencies and we're trying to drive a particular function, the herbs can't actually override that. Yeah. Unless they're a source of that nutrient themselves, which often they are. But yeah.
0: So, hmm. So, yeah, it really comes down to your microbiome.
2: It's annoying, huh? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because if you don't have that, healthy, then no matter what you chuck down your gullet, it's not going to get-
2: Yeah, exactly. And like I said, bad guts will hijack good food. Yeah. And then people go, I go and eat the healthy food that my coach and my naturopath and that time would eat and they go great and I get worse. It's like, Mm. that's your microbiome. It's hijacking those foods. And over time we change that microbiome and those foods will work for you or we can do it faster if we use specific tools. Mm. And the tools, A, very specifically. Getting your microbiome tested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you want to have a specific protocol. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can basically do it by going back to the laws of nature. Whole foods, in season, big diversity, big variety in your diet, and you will get a big, diverse uh, microbiome.
0: Can't
1: Simple. get much easier yeah, than that. I know.
0: Yeah. Isn't it funny? We go, all this technology, is like, uh, we could just just uh, listen just to Mother Nature. And, and do what problem. we know
1: how to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, and this is the problem, though, how mm. food has changed so much. So just if we, even if we do everything right, if we go the organic foods in season, blah, 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 we have thin skins these days. We have less seeds. We have less polyphenols in the foods that we've just selected. Like we have the orange carrots instead of the purple carrots. We have all of our, we have seedless grapes and seedless watermelons and, you know, we have Ooh. all that sort of stuff. And it's like, it, it, it's not the same. So that's why we do make supplements, be able to supplement yeah. that diet with polyphenols. And that sort of stuff. The problem is, ideally, we'd want to be doing that with the season as well. <laughs> it's just oh, not yeah. possible. So all we can do is get the varieties and that sort of stuff that we can use to get that diversity in the microbiome. Yeah. One, one partner is thin. The other
0: one is overweight. Oh, yeah. um, so they would want to get tested and see what's going on.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah. yeah. And it depends on which way you want to go. is Yeah. Whose fecal transfer you go for. Yeah, well, I'm not even joking about this because with that plant, there's a damn good reason why I teamed up with James Newberry to do that business. Because if we don't make a successful business selling the plant materials and protein, I'm selling James's poop.
1: <laughs> I'd actually buy it. I know. Yeah. I've got a
2: long list of people ready to go. I've been following him around for days. <laughs>
1: Just
0: catching his heart.
2: Try to scare him. What he's done is he's got a different microbiome and he's got a different lifestyle that has given him a different genetic expression. Mm, yeah. Oh. So this is, is the Yeah, Ooh. exactly. So this is that the epigenetics, <laughs> which is determined by your microbiome. And that is Whoa. something that you build and grow, nurture and cultivate that is in your control.
1: And where do, where can people buy plant? And we also have a lot of people saying, Can they book in with you? And I'm like, I don't think so. I
2: don't know anymore. I can't I'm not sure. I'm a bit confused. Okay. Because it's it was booked out. I don't I only do like one or two days a week or something. Sometimes I think you can go to pro, uh, protein dot com. You can come direct to us and we can get it. Otherwise, you should get it at most of your retail stores. But what tell if you want it, you go into your local retail where you like to buy it and tell them that they have to stock it.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah. great idea because that's
2: the best way and to it do gyms. it. And so. and then they contact me and then say, "Hey, I need to stock your product for my customers." And I go, "Sweet, so here it is." Perfect. Yeah, looking what? forward to getting some of it. Yeah, me too. I keep no. asking. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's so close. So uh, we're getting really excited now. It's getting like it's in getting put in the bags today. Amazing. So it'll Very be arriving exciting. within a week, sort of thing. Great.
0: Yeah. Mid-October
2: on the shelves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Game Thanks, on.
0: Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Our <laughs> pleasure. Thanks for joining this podcast want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energized pain-free life as you age
1: jump into our free Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash defy your numbers if you have any questions or ideas for topics shoot us an email at hi at agerebels.com
0: stay tuned for the next episode of the Age Rebels
2: Revolution.